preaching text today is from John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you do not abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, focus our busy minds this morning and calm our hearts in you. Amen. Well, for the second week in a row, our reading comes from the sermon given by Jesus to his disciples on the evening of his arrest. The supper has already been eaten, the disciples' feet have already been washed, and Judas has already departed in order to lead the detachment of soldiers to the place where Jesus will soon be. Jesus has, by this point, been speaking to the disciples for a while, and they are now just beginning to set out from the place where they ate the supper to the garden where Jesus will be arrested. And as they go on their way, Jesus continues his sermon. Now, we don't know exactly the route that they took, and we don't know exactly what they encountered on the way, but it's not hard to imagine that they passed in view of vineyards, perhaps recently pruned as they are this time of year. And perhaps there, in view of these vineyards, Jesus continued his sermon with the words from our reading today. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You know, this is the first place that I've lived where grapes are a central part of the local economy. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have told you what a grapevine looked like prior to moving here to the Yakima Valley. And so I found in discussing this passage and this image of Jesus, the vine, and his branches, the conversations that I have with people here are very different than those that I have, have had with people elsewhere. Nowhere else have I been discussing this passage uh, with someone and then had them ask what specific variety of grapes do they think God is using or tell me about the importance of pH soil levels or, or the trade-offs of mechanical pruning versus pruning by hand. You all, simply because of where you live, you come to this passage uh, with a great deal of knowledge. When you hear that this, this image that Jesus uses, your understanding of it is already more detailed uh, than that of most. Uh, you probably have some idea of the seasonal cycle of grape growing, the kind of labor involved in pruning and maintaining the vines, the sorts of wines uh, that various grapes produce. And in my experience, this puts you ahead of most other people in understanding the mechanics of this image. Uh, even though most of us may not be grape farmers ourselves, we come to this passage with a farmer's perspective. So when Jesus tells us of God pruning the branches of the vine in order to increase the yield of their fruit, uh, we also begin to consider the techniques we might use to optimize the yield of our fruit, whether that fruit is literal grapes or the fruits of our work, the fruits of our lives. It's only natural, I think, that our minds would go in this direction. After all, we live in a society that is based on productivity and efficiency. It's always looking to get more done in a shorter time and with less effort. And so we are trained to approach our lives with the same sort of thinking, the same sort of thinking that a farmer might use in approaching their crop managing our work and our decisions in order to produce the best crop we can given the conditions that we encounter. We manage our education, we manage our careers, our homes, our finances, our reputations, and all of this with the goal of harvesting a good crop, however we define a good crop. And though we have seasons of feast and seasons of famine, we do what we can to attain success as we understand it. Success in career advancement or perhaps a leisurely retirement or a loving family or, or a myriad other things. And so long as we're not consumed by it, the pursuit of excellence in our work, professional or otherwise, it is as it should be. Wise and faithful dedication to our vocations, to the work that God has given us, that is a commendable goal. So isn't it surprising that the very way of thinking and being which leads us to great success in our temporal lives becomes deadly and dangerous when applied to our spiritual lives. Isn't it shocking that the very thing which serves us so well in our relationship to each other and to the world actually hinders and damages our relationship to God? That what is virtue in relation to the world could actually be sin in relation 
to God. It's exceptionally easy to fall into this trap, to think that our spiritual lives operate according to the same principles as our temporal lives, to think that a combination of our virtue and our hard work together with fortunate conditions will bring us success and right relationship with God. Perhaps you were thinking along these lines yourself as you listened to our passage. Perhaps when you heard about fruitless branches being pruned to bear more fruit or about unfruitful branches being removed and burned, you found yourself thinking about the sorts of ways you could increase the quantity or the value of your own fruit before God, the sort of pruning and trimming you might do to increase your yield. Perhaps if I pray more often or give more to the church or take up fasting or act more morally or devote myself to the right political causes, then perhaps I can make myself a truly fruitful branch. But this way of thinking is exactly backwards. Because as good as these things are, not one of them can make us a fruitful branch before God. In fact, this way of thinking misses the central truth of this passage, which is right at the beginning. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. While it pays to approach our vocational life with the mindset of a good farmer, in our spiritual life, the only farmer involved is God. The one who does the trimming and the pruning is not us, but God. And while we're tempted to take responsibility for our fruits, to perfect them by our own wisdom and strength, the only way to truly become fruitful is given to us in verse 4. Jesus says, abide. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So, what does it mean to abide? Well, it doesn't mean to strive. It doesn't mean to work really hard. It doesn't mean to go on a journey of self-perfection. Rather, that word abide simply means to remain, to rest, to dwell. In fact, it's really not an activity at all, but more of inactivity. To abide in Jesus is to rest in him and his love for you. It is to give up on your own quest for perfection and simply to dwell on what Jesus has done for you. It is to draw your strength not from yourself but from Jesus as a branch draws its sap from the vine rather than to try and be strong enough to achieve it on your own. In short, it looks almost the opposite of what we normally think of as holiness. Perhaps this sounds easy, too easy perhaps, but the opposite is true because abiding in Jesus, it's actually beyond our own capabilities. Our enslavement to sin keeps us from trusting Jesus enough to simply rest in him. And we always find ourselves trying to take back control somehow, to come up with some spiritual achievement that we can take credit for, uh, to use that to prove ourselves faithful or fruitful to God and to others. Rather than contenting ourselves to live out of Jesus' strength, we are constantly driven to be strong enough in ourselves. But when we do that, when we look to ourselves for our strength, for our salvation, 
we become unfruitful and self-focused and we are removed from the vine and we wither and we become good for nothing except to be burned. Ironically, it's when we try the hardest to bear good spiritual fruit that the depth of our sin is made most clear. So what hope then do we have? If abiding is beyond our abilities, well, how can we live? And the answer comes near the end of our reading. In these words of pure gospel from Jesus, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you, I set you to go and bear fruit, fruit that abides. Even though we are by nature dry branches, unfit for bearing any fruit acceptable to God, Jesus, our vine, has chosen us, has rooted us in him. And the Father who tends the vine now prunes us and trims us so that we may be fruitful indeed. Our fruitfulness, you see, relies not on our own work or attitude or effort, but on the choosing and the tending and the planting of God. In your baptism, you were chosen and planted. And throughout your life, your God has been tending you and pruning you and trimming you so that you might bear much fruit for his kingdom. That pruning and that trimming, well, they're not always pleasant. And the fruit that you bear, well, it may not look like much, but the promise of Jesus Christ to you is this. That though in this world you face trials and tribulations, your Father in heaven will use these for your good. That though on your own you are weak and unworthy, Jesus Christ has chosen you, and his grace is enough. Trust in this word. Cling to this word. Abide in this word because the word of jesus christ to you will not fail and the tending of your father will make you fruitful indeed amen